great moments are born from great opportunity. Last name ever, first name greatest. Like a sprained ankle, boy, ain't nothing to play with. Again. But before you can ever reach anything, you have to believe it. You don't just mistakenly become great at something. Now go out there and take it. That is right. The Greatest Show is back. The weekend recap here on 88.9 WNYO. Luke Owens alongside Matt Watling. And I hope that you guys are as excited as us. We are back in the studio after our little summer break. We were on air, but definitely some different vibes being back in the actual studio. Yeah, and for once I can... Feel, I can feel your face. You can feel my face. You're within reaching distance. It's really odd, and I hope you do not feel my face. But I I'm can't glad. make any promises. But I'm we're glad back. You feel that way. You know, I like the the microphones better. We're not dealing with yes. lights that turn off. That's true. These lights. We're stay not on. dealing with my dogs that bark or my basement that is excruciatingly warm. My Wi-Fi. Why your Wi-Fi. Basement, that's a weird. Your basement's warm. Well, my hot basement's air, Oh wait, hotter. It's very cold. I think because the light, the lights. There's a lot of lighting. Hmm. So when you turn the lights on, it just gets really hot. Interesting. Like, I'll usually only use, like, one set of the lights, but for the show, I have to do two. My basement's always freezing. I feel like that's, like, a staple of basement. That is a ba- that is a basement staple, you're right. But, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But we got a big show for you guys uh, this week. What I like about our show is we go right till one, so for NFL Sundays, it'd be perfect to come get your previews for the Giants, Jets, and Bills. Yep. We're if, gonna... you're, if you're pre-gaming the games yeah, at, at, a, at a cool 11 a.m., exactly, come, come exactly. talk to us. You know, you can call in 315-312-2907, comment on Facebook. With uh, Mike P, Mikey P, one of your good friends. Jumping in. Jumping in. It's a live show. Yeah, it is. It is a live show. And um, warm lights. I don't know what that means. I don't know. We're just spitballing here. But uh, I'm barely even on the Facebook oh, stream, yeah. so that's well, kind of weird. to get into it. That's cool. Is it this one? But like I said, we'll be, we'll be touching Jets, Giants, and Bills this week go. as well. But we got to start off with what was the biggest story in New York for a while that, you know, maybe cooled down a bit, but... The Mets, are they, are they back? Are you serious right now? Not really. Are you serious right so, now? So the, they lost six games in a row to the Braves and the Cubs. Not a great look. Pitching was okay. The hitting was bad. But now they've won two in a row to the Phillies. They're 69-66. and 66. They're four games out of the second wild card. Sunday night baseball tonight against the Phillies. I think you have to sweep this game. I mean, we're talking about a team that they're chasing in the Phillies, a divisional rival. You want to win those head-to-head matchups. There's not a lot of room for error. And so I, I really think the Mets need to go out there and get a win tonight. Yeah, I agree. This is a team that, to be honest, isn't that good right now. They're not that good. They don't look that great. And when you're the Mets, you need to win every game you can, especially in division against teams that you're fighting for in the wild card. You're four and a half games back. That's a lot. But when you're playing a lot of teams in your division and some of those teams that you're playing against with that wild card, you have a chance. You know? What, like, what are they? I don't think they're going to win all those games. And if you do, then you're probably going to make the playoffs. But start with the sweep tonight. You can't afford to be losing any series. And when you're up two games to none, you have to take the third. Right. And Marcus Stroman will get the ball for the Mets. He's been, 
decent. You know, one and one, he's had five starts with the Mets, way over a four ERA. He hasn't been great, but he's kind of one of those guys that you want getting the ball in these situations. He's a guy that, as much as it is a lost cause, you know, getting wins in baseball aren't as important. He is a gamer. He's going to go out and, com- and compete. He's going to keep them in this game, which I think is huge. And then to look forward, say you do win this game, you sweep. Then you go to Washington. Then you play the Phillies again. I mean, these are, are games you have to win, and they're going to impact the playoff race. Obviously, every game is going to impact the playoff race, but these are teams that you're chasing. So it, it comes to a point where, yes, the Mets had a great run, and, and sure, if fans are going to say, oh, that's enough for us, that's fine. But at the same time, this is a team that was just a half game out of the wild card a couple weeks ago, and now they're looking at four games and a bunch of teams to hop. So these last few weeks have definitely been, I think, a disappointment for the Mets. Yeah, no doubt, and... You say the the fans enjoyed it, but this is a disappointing season. You can't tell me that this is a season that you liked because this is what they do to you every single year. You know, what I want to see with this Mets team is I want to see actual improvement and growth because right now they're three games over 500. Is that what you want to be as a team when a couple weeks ago you won 15 out of 20 games, whatever that was? Is that what you expect from this team? You shouldn't. You should be expecting better. You should be challenging Mickey Callaway and Brody Van Wagenen to create an actually good team because you have the infrastructure around to make a good team. You need to, you need to throw up the, uh, the drywall now. You need to paint the house. Because you have the infrastructure with Alonzo, with Conforto, with McNeil, with DeGrom, and Syndergaard. This is one of the best starting pitching staffs in all of baseball. And you're losing games because you can't hit. So go out there this season, acquire one or two big bats, acquire one or two relievers, and see what you can do. But this is the time for the Mets to make a splash. Because if you don't, are you signing Syndergaard to an extension of 100, over $100 million? Are no. you signing Cespedes again? Are you bringing back different pieces? Who are you bringing back from this core? Because a lot of them could be gone after next year. Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues for the Mets this season, and they're going to get some help this week, is they've really had no outfield production. I mean, that's where, where your big bats are. Outside of Michael Conforto, it's been kind of just a, a mixed bag of you know guys like Juan Lagares. And uh, it just it hasn't been great in the outfield for them. You get Brandon Nimmo back. He's a high on base guy. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they slot him into the leadoff hole or if they keep McNeil there. I don't think you can even take McNeil out, out of the leadoff slot with Alonzo batting behind him because that's just been so dynamic this year. But, I mean, you look at a team like the Yankees and their outfield. I mean, you have, when healthy, Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, John uh, Carlos Stanton. But even when they're not healthy, you have guys like Mike Talkman. Uh, and Brett Gardner sliding in and producing, these are where your big bats are supposed to be. And obviously there's production basically everywhere through a lineup. Now Now in baseball, I mean, you have shortstops like Glaber Torres hitting 30-plus home runs, so baseball's different. But just the lack of production from the outfield, I think, has really taken its toll on this Mets lineup. The bottom of their lineup is just so bad and so, I mean, it's just so unformidable that I think it's really taken its toll, especially during this run. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you look at this lineup, there are a few guys that scare you. So you need to look at what the Yankees were doing when they had all their injuries. You saw how guys were able to just hit the baseball, just keep it moving. You don't need a whole bunch of crazy stuff, you know? You, what you need is you need one guy to get a base hit, then the next guy to get a base hit. The next guy maybe bunts or forces a walk or a, a defenseman makes an error. You, you, can't, you don't need to just hit home runs because if you're doing that, you have maybe two guys that can do that in Alonzo and Conforto. That's really all you have in terms of home run hitters. J.D. Davis a little bit, but he's not hitting more than 20 or 30, I would expect. Yeah, it's definitely been definitely been a tough, a tough stretch. And just, you know, kind of just rumors right now, but there's a lot of talk going on about Mickey Callaway's status. And 
it's it's interesting because Van Wagenen obviously has been very pro Mickey Callaway. He's kept him on board through through every losing streak, through every little incident in the clubhouse. He stayed on, but now it's it's coming out that maybe Mickey Callaway is going to be done with with the Mets after this year, or the Mets done with him rather. And I think that's a decision that will be like the Girardi one that the Yankees made. I think the Mets have their mind made up as of now. No matter how this season ends, either A, we're keeping Mickey Callaway with his group, or B, we need to go in another direction and see what another guy can do. Maybe a guy like Joe Girardi, a veteran guy, or maybe someone that's more analytically savvy, which isn't a Mets thing, but I think they have their mind made up already. Yeah, and I think just talking about analytically savvy, I think Brody is a guy that wants to reach that, you know, he was a he was um, an agent, excuse me, and he was a guy that was willing to put the you know invest in that with his firm. You know he has these guys that he wanted to maximize their contracts, and you're using analytics to do that. You're not saying look at this, he has a 300 batting average because people don't hit that anymore. So you're looking at the way the analytics are shaping, and it looks like Brody Van Wagenen wants to go that way. But if you're the Mets, Mickey Callaway has a relationship with the guys in the locker room that I think is important to is really important to them. You know, yep. I think they have a good locker room dynamic. They clearly care for him when you saw Vargas defending him with uh, the Newsday reporter that he threatened to, I guess, beat up. Yeah. Which was really weird and yeah, weird situation. an underrated story. Was Vargas suspended for that? No. He should have been. But anyway. Actually, no, he was. That, he was. He missed one start. Oh, did he? Which is probably a good thing for the Mets, to be honest. Yeah, honestly. They rocked him the other day, though, when his first good. start against them in, in Philadelphia. I'm in a stupid hair. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I think going forward in this offseason, there's definitely some hope. Like you said, the starting pitching, I think, is great. The lineup just needs a few tweaks. You have a decent young core. Yeah. I mean, a guy like Ahmed Rosario stepped up too. like you said, J.D. Davis. So I think they have a good core going into next year. But as for this year, four games back, you have to hop the Brewers, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies. It's tough for me to sit here and say, I think that's going to happen. I just I don't know. You're going to have to beat good teams eventually. What were you saying a couple weeks ago again? I know. I was saying they're going to make the playoffs. You were hopping on the train. I hopped on the train. I saw that little stretch coming, and they do have some easier games. You know, the Rockies, the Reds, I think the Marlins is like how they end their season. So there's definitely some room there, but going to be you tough know, sledding. I'll be I'll be interested to see what we talk about a week from now because they right. they play the Nationals. They play the Phillies. So these are but games. But those are winnable. They're, they're winnable, winnable but they have to win. Right. And, and then you Nets, don't know if the Mets can do that. Yeah, and the Nationals pitching, I think, matches up well with them. So right. that's going to be tough to see if they can actually hit. And I will say, just before we go, that, that little analogy of you getting on that train a couple weeks ago when we had our last summer show and having all that fun and messing around, that's kind of like when you go on the train, like an actual train, and you're like, okay, you know, it, it leaves in like 10 minutes, but I'm just going to sit here, get my seat. You get a nice double-person seat so you don't have to sit with anybody because mm-hmm. you always, you know, two people. This is a youth thing. I don't ride trains. So. so you're sitting on the train. The door's shut. And then the train breaks down. And then 30 seconds later, a shiny new train with some refreshments maybe. That's not really a thing on the double R, but let's just say it is. And some nice people. Maybe it's a friend that you know that you want to talk to is on that other train. And you can't get off this train. And you're stuck, stalled in the uh, train station for like a half hour. I'm not, I'm not going to hop off the train just yet. All right? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let it breathe for another week. Uh, we'll be right back here on... 88.9 WMYL, the Laker Radio Network. And we come back, were we wrong about Daniel Jones? Stay tuned. That is right. We are back here on 88.9 WNYO, Oswego, New York, Laker Radio, Laker Radio Network, excuse me. And Daniel Jones, as Luke alluded to, 
was pretty good. Pretty good in the preseason as Luke tries to get his headphones on. You have a large head. Thank you. <laughs> Lots of knowledge, I guess. You, oh, you can see me still on the camera. Yeah. We're on Facebook Live, the weekend recap with Watley and Owens. Come talk to us. You know, comment on that. Comment uh, on Twitter at the weekend recap, at Matt Watling99, and at Luke the Kid3. At what point do you change to Luke the Kid? Luke the, Luke adult, the adult. That's my uh, PS4 name, actually. So when do you change it? Is it, is it marriage? Is it, no, is it 21? I'm, I'm always going to be the kid, you know? So you're going to be like 50 years me, old uh, tweeting youth. and you're yeah. going to say Luke the Kid 3? Yeah. I don't know about that. No, I actually changed my Twitter handle to whatever organization I'm a part of. It's going to be like Luke Please the Kid. Please don't do that. <laughs> NBC. Please don't. I don't know why that irritates me so much. No, you know why it is? Because I think that people are more than just who they work for. Yeah. That's what you are. You're not just a guy who works for WTOP or for CNY Central or for ESPN or for TSN, you're you. And you deserve to not have to have someone else's organization in your Twitter handle. You want to put it on your bio? That's great. I respect it. I do it all the time. But you're going to tell me that you are just as important as your, your, your organization for you is more important than yourself. You are wrong. That's, you really, are that's really nice of you You to say. matter. And you can call in at 315-312-2907. Come talk to us. Come comment, and we'll jump right in here with Daniel Jones. And I think we were, I think we overreacted. You know, I think we caught up in the hype a little bit. I don't know the hype. Of, I don't know about that. There was something about kind of like mob mentality, being able to just rip uh, Dave Gettleman. It's true. That I think was just kind of fun. It was fun. You know, it was enjoyable. You got to make fun of his Boston accent. You got to, you know, you got to say he's always oh, an old man. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's he's senile. He's whatever. But I think the fact is, is that. I don't think Daniel Jones is worth a sixth overall pick. But if he's a starting quarterback in this league and can win games, if he's better than a Dak Prescott type that can really only is a system quarterback kind of thing, then you know what? Then is it worth it? I think so. I mean, wouldn't you classify Eli Manning as a quote-unquote system quarterback? But he can win you games. And he won two Super Bowls. He can win you games. I don't know if if, um, Dak can win you games the way Eli can. I think I'm not going to put a lot of stock into preseason whatsoever. I will say Jones – I mean – 29 of 34 is, is pretty dang impressive, even if you are going against second and third string defenses. Um, but one thing I did notice from, from watching Jones this preseason, he's very he's very poised. Kind of what the Giants were saying, he's like Eli Manning. He doesn't he's not really affected by different pressures. He obviously came in his first game against the Jets and led that impressive drive that ended in an impressive touchdown pass. And I think that's what Jones is going to bring to the table. He's not going to be. You know, the Patrick Mahomes or even a guy like Drew Brees that's kind of more flashy, got the big arm. He's going to he's gonna kind of just stay stay poised, stay relaxed. No matter the situation, you're not going to see a ton of emotion out of him. And that's what the Giants wanted out of him. They wanted kind of another Eli Manning, which I think is fine because you have Saquon Barkley. You probably should have gotten a quarterback, but you didn't. And now you think, you know, if Saquon Barkley can run the ball for 100 yards a game and Jones can be competent enough to complete 65 to 70% of his passes without turning the ball over... I think they win some games. I, I, I think that he can win some games. I don't know if he's necessarily going to go out and win you games with his arm, but I think that just his presence alone is, is enough that in a high-pressure situation, he's going to succeed. Yeah, and I think kind of the question is, do you need a flashy quarterback anymore? You know, people love, oh, Carson Wentz, pay him $30 million. Dak Prescott wants 40 All these guys want so much money, but do you, I think there's going to be a certain point where there's a quarterback bubble. It's going to burst because how can you pay? What, is Sam Darnold going to be getting 60? Yeah. Is Justin Herbert, when he gets his next contract in eight years, once he gets drafted, is he going to get $80 million? What's the, what's the ceiling for it? 
if everyone wants to keep getting paid more and more than the next guy, at what point do you say, look, he's not worth it? And who is that quarterback? You know, we saw what happened with Kirk Cousins. Is he worth the eight? What was it? 80 million guaranteed the Jets offered him? Yeah. Was he worth that if the Jets ended up signing him? No. No. Was, you know, is a guy like Dak worth $35 million? No. And you're going to see these teams really pay for it because the quarterback position has been, I don't say overrated because it's very important, but it's been overhyped to this extent. I don't know if it's necessarily overhyped. I just think that the way... Overvalued? Is that a better term? Yeah, maybe overvalued. Yeah, I just think the way that teams view a quarterback is if we can get our franchise guy, we can build around him. That's what the Patriots did with Tom Brady. That's what the Saints did with Drew Brees. That's what the Chargers did with Phil Rivers. That's what the Giants did with Eli Manning. Even if he's not a star, and you know, even if, if it's Dak Prescott who who wants to make you know $40 million, he'll probably settle somewhere near 33 to 35 If the Cowboys believe that Dak is their guy going forward, they're going to give him that money because once they give him his money, they can build the offensive line to support him. They can build the defense like the uh, the Giants did with Eli. They built a great defense. He was competent enough to win games. He wasn't great, but he was good enough. And I think that's more what the the overpaying of quarterbacks is. I think it's just feeling that security at a position that is ultra important in the NFL. Okay, but all those guys that you named, you know, the the Eli Mannings of the world, the Tom Brady's. Tom Brady's getting $23 million this year. It's argued that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But right? he, but also, I mean, he's, his, see, well, two, four, his contract six, is eight. sneaky, though. He he signs huge signing bonuses so that the Patriots can have salary cap. Okay, so, I mean, he's, why he's isn't that done with other teams? You know, Eli Manning's mil. making $21 million. Philip Rivers, 20 You know, these are guys that are making a lot of money, yes, but they're letting their teams build around them. If you have a guy that's getting $35 million like Russell Wilson is, how are you building a team around him when you have a quarterback for that much money? How are you building around Aaron Rodgers when he's making almost $34 million? That's why the Packers aren't that good aside from some coaching and maybe management flaws is you're not leaving your team with enough capital to build, a, to build an adequate roster around you. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing for these, for these players to get paid. I think they should. But in the back of GM's minds, you should realize that maybe you shouldn't be paying that much money for these players. I don't think NFL free agency matters as much as other sports. But then the second contract, you know, Landon Collins couldn't get paid. You know, you look at guys like, I can't name a couple off the top of my head, but you look at guys when you draft well, you have three, four, five years with them, and then it's time for free agency. And right, you, and you're going to lose them after those couple of years. But I think that the biggest free agency signings are guys that kind of go under the radar. Those guys that kind of fill out your your 35 to 52 spots on the roster. And yes, you need obviously some some big signings. But I mean, look what even happens with guys that get big money. I mean, you see, uh, or excuse me, that want big money. Look at Jadavion Clowney. He's he's been traded. Melvin Gordon wants to be traded. Zeke wants to either be traded or or something of that nature. I just think it's just an overall look at sports now is that guys want to be paid a lot because they know that they're putting their body on the line for a team. They know how much of the pop the owners are making. I don't think it really boils down to them not being you know team guys and wanting the team around them to be good. I think it's just Look at what a guy like Bryce Harper made in baseball, and I think that football players see that, and they realize that their value isn't as high because they can get injured at a moment's notice. But I think they see that, and they say, you know, I want a little bit of that pot too. No, and they deserve it. But you look at it from a management standpoint, and it's, it's like, for the quarterback, at what point is it too much? At what point are we not are we paying them $60 million in five years? I mean, I want to say in 1990. Every like the t- highest played NFL player was probably around ten million dollars. Same with the NFL or same with the NBA, MLB, and NHL. 
Now you have guys getting paid $35 million in the NFL per year. But the NFL is worth more than it was in 1990. That's right. These guys should my be point getting is, paid more. They're, these other leagues are increasing so exponentially higher than the NHL, which is a smaller, kind of a smaller league now. You know, NBA, you're not getting paid, I don't think, nearly. Or I guess you are, but you look in the NFL and it's just that one position. It's just really quarterbacks that are getting paid yeah. $40 million. You know, it's just, it's just weird, you know? It to me, it just boils down to, this, like what I said, the security of, of the position. Knowing that you have a franchise quarterback, I just think that it changes the mindset of management. You know, it kind of puts them at ease when you don't have to figure out who's going to be the quarterback every single offseason. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense in that regard. And just tying it back to the Giants here, we look at Daniel Jones. Are we seeing him this year? You know, this is Eli Manning's last season, uh, last season under this current contract. There's been kind of rumblings where Eli might sign an extension, which I don't really understand. No. You know, you wanna you wanna give him the Patrick Mahomes treatment, then give him then sit Jones for a year. Yeah. Because at that point, if you're playing Eli for two years, you don't know what you have in Daniel Jones. He should he should see time to this year because if he's bad, it gives you two years to find either Tua or Herbert or Trevor Lawrence or whoever you want in that regard. Yeah, and I I also believe that. This is kind of a spiral or a domino effect because not only is this, you know, you can sit out Jones a year and play Eli and maybe the Giants go, you know, 5-11 and 11 or 4-12 and 12 or even maybe 6-10. and 10. That's another year of, of wear and tear on Saquon Barkley. So I think that's something that you want to take into effect. Not like the Giants are in win-now mode, but you want to at least show some signs this year that going forward, you can win. And by the time, you know, Saquon Barkley's contract is up, he's going to want to be paid too. And then it's going to be just a year before Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones can perform, and you're going to have to pay both of those guys. So it's kind of, it's just such a ticking clock with a star running back that you need to at least show signs that you can win. And, you know, Jerry Jones kind of said it, and I, I, I agree with him in a sense that running backs don't win you a Super Bowl, but I think they get you there. I mean, without Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be even close to contending for the NFC East. And without Saquon Barkley in the long haul, I don't know if the Giants are going to be competing. So kind of, I, I kind of answered in a long way, but I think you give Daniel Jones a look after. It depends how it really depends how they start, because they have winnable games out the gate that I think they can compete. I mean, you have the Cowboys, the Bills, the Bucks, the the, the Redskins. Those are all games the Giants can compete in. So if they start zero and four, I think you pull the plug on Eli. But if they start, you know, three and one, two and two, you probably keep them around. From what I've been hearing, a lot of people are thinking that you you play them until the bye week because you look at that, you give the bye week, and you have that extra kind of time to 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 adjust. It's the second half of the season or second third of the season. You give them six or seven games, whatever it may be, and then that's when you can kind of really analyze them. But you look at those teams coming off the bye week: Chicago, Green Bay, uh, Philadelphia, Miami, Washington, Philadelphia. Four of those teams are probably playoff teams in Philly, Green Bay, Chicago. Yeah. So do you want to play them against? Though that good of a defense week uh, week one of starting, you want to play him against Chicago. That's or do tough. you want to play him against the Jets? I know it's tough. It really is because, like you said, there's this winnable is a hard games. schedule they have. Yeah, because you kind of come out the gate and, and Giants fans might be feeling okay, but that second half is just so brutal. I mean, even in week five, you got Minnesota, New England, Arizona. Arizona's kind of a cakewalk a little bit, I would say. Yeah. Detroit, Dallas, New York. I mean, there's there's really like five winnable games here if you count Buffalo, Tampa, Washington twice. So that's four. Then you go Arizona 5, Detroit 6, and then Jets 7. Right. But you're not winning all those games because Detroit no. could be pretty good this year. Yeah, Detroit's kind of one of those teams where they'll probably play tight. They'll probably be like 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-9. Yeah. Nine nine Matthew Stafford, they'll probably go 7-9. 9-7. Nine yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. I mean, it's the NFL, so it kind of is that mentality of anything can happen as much as 
we say it and it seems like cliche. It really is true. I mean, I'm not saying the Giants could win the Super Bowl, but I, I could definitely see them competing in these four games. I really can't. In these first four games, yeah, the entire season, no. I they're, just they're don't de- think their defense yeah, isn't we, good we, enough. We haven't mentioned their defense. They're, they're awful. Offense was is worse from last year. You know, you lose Odell. I think the team could be better. And we kind of forgot to mention Golden Tate's going to be out for those four games. That's really tough. Yeah. Because he's a guy that you really like to have. I guess it doesn't matter because Eli Manning is like a, is, is a consummate professional. Yeah. He knows what to do. He, apparently, he's looked really good. He's he's in the best shape ever. And I love when that's like a whole thing. When people are like, oh, yeah, he's the best shape of his life. What really is the best shape for Eli Manning? Like, what are we really expecting out of him? I mean, he's I'm expecting a, a guy that can kind of, like, kind of run. Yeah. And is not, is, isn't is afraid to take a hit. That's what I need to see at Eli Manning. You know, but can you blame him? He's been he got hit a lot last so year. hard the last couple of years. Yeah. What it's do you tough. expect? Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where we got you kind of have to let Eli Manning go out. In kind of a you know, don't disrespect him if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think he's done a lot for the franchise. Yeah, I really do. I think this the entire the Geno Smith thing kind of the Geno Smith thing. Yeah, how everyone's talking about when he's gonna get pulled, how everyone wants Daniel Jones now. I think that's kind of was disrespectful to him. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but it's definitely gonna be an interesting story to watch. I think I think we can say that for sure in New York talk in New York sports talk. Even if the Giants are really bad. Daniel Jones versus Elon Manning, you know, Saquon Barkley in the mix. They're going to be fun to at least talk about this year. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it's Unless tough you're a Giants without, fan. I think it's tough without fun. Odell because I think this could be yeah. a season where it just turns into you're just a bad team. Yeah. Like the Browns a couple of years ago where like, you're just a bad team. Yeah. There's nothing to say. You're just bad. Yeah. You know, that it's defense gonna be, is going to be everyone clamoring for Daniel Jones. Atrocious. You know, I look at Saquon and, and I say he's the biggest bright spot on this team, obviously on this offense. But then you, have, you know, you have some nice pieces. Evan Engram. I think Sterling Shepard could have a big Sterling year. Sterling Shepard could be a really good, good uh, wide receiver. Golden Tate looked okay, I guess, in preseason. Yeah. I didn't watch too much of his play, but it's it's a decent enough receiving core. Yeah. And I think Saquon's the reason for it, because now he opens up the field for play action. He's a good catching running back. But it's really about this offensive line, and if it can hold up, I think this is a fine offense. Is it going to light it up and score 35 points? No. Can it score four touchdowns a game? I would think so, right? Yeah. It's just going to be... Unfortunate if we have to watch Saquon Barkley waste the best years of his career with with a tanking Giants team. And then at what point, because he's such a good guy too, at what point does he say, I need to leave? Yeah. At what point do you say, I want to at least have a chance to win and then just peace out? When does that even happen? Right. Or does it happen? I don't know if it happens. Yeah, like you said, he's just a great personality. Like basically the opposite of Odell in terms of he's not going to be vocal if he wants to leave. It could be one of those, you know, sneaky situations where it's like, oh, Saquon just got traded. He asked to be traded. We didn't make it public, but we've traded him. Something right. like that. And then the really, the, I think for me, the biggest roster cut from the Giants is cutting Kyle Aletta, the fourth rounder from 2018. How do you spend a fourth round pick on this guy? And then cut him a year later. And he never really... I, I didn't. I really didn't track him in preseason this year, but I, he didn't do anything fundamentally wrong, I don't think. He... Uh, um, I think the Giant, Giants fans wanted to see him actually get some action towards the end of uh, of last season. So, I don't know. It, yeah, kind of a weird move, but it could be one of those situations where he'll make it through waivers and be on the, the practice squad. So, it could be one right. of those situations. And then, you, you know, you have Daniel Jones already as your backup. Do you need three quarterbacks? Oh, I just saw they cut Chris, Chris Slayton. Yeah, that makes me upset. Uh, what'd you say that? I was I got distracted. <laughs> Looking at my my computer here, and it's, now you're the tablet distracted. is like very fast. I'm like very fascinated. It is. By it. It's it's annoying though because like it'll lock a lot, and I don't want oh, it to yeah. lock. I'd yeah. rather just Can be you, able to open isn't it. there like a I don't know a how setting anyone that's got a Windows thing, let me know because I don't know how it works. It doesn't make sense. I was trying to read something 
on air for an internship and I couldn't open my computer. So I just kind of like took the L and just like I waved it off. But just to answer your question as we wrap up, I think I think Jones will get the backup job. And I think that's a good spot for him to be in, you know, kind of kind of be right there, uh, you know, in the trenches and seeing what what Eli does to kind of help him prepare for when it's his time. Okay with me these days. Got a good job, got a good office. I got a new wife, got a new life, and the family is fine. Oh, lost touch long ago. You lost weight, I did not know. We are back. The beautiful stylings of Billy Joel. You're always guaranteed at least one Billy Joel song on the weekend recap. You really are. As long as I feel like Matt Watley is sitting next to me. Yeah, it's mostly me. We will be here. And um, before we get into the Yankees. Mikey P just roasting the Jets, comparing them to the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. I don't know. The Cardinals have That's such a little really talent. That's a really spicy take, yeah. I don't know. I don't because know. when I look at the Jets, I see... I see talent. I see Lev Bell. I, I see, see potential I see, in Sam Darnold. I see a lot of talent, but I don't see a lot of depth. You yeah. know, maybe their comparison could be the Giants. Right. I, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an you interesting You don't have one. a great receiving corner either end. You have an electric running back. Mediocre defense, but you have some talent there on both sides. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Is it, the, is it the Niners, maybe? You've got a quarterback you don't really know. You've got some decent weapons. You don't have a lot of depth there. I just think the Cardinals are so bad. Yeah. I really th- I think they're more of like... And they're going to get beat up. I feel like division. they're more of like the Broncos or the Raiders. Yeah, the I feel like the, the Cardinals are very clear number four in their division behind the Rams, the Seahawks, wide and margin. the 49ers. Whereas the Jets could... could be the second yeah. best team in the, the NFC. NFC's really they're very good. clearly better than the, than the Dolphins. The NFC is really good. Right. I mean, you've got three potential playoff teams in the West and the and, and the South. South. Yeah. And I get in two in the North, maybe three. Yeah. And then you've got the East. I would say two Eagles in the East. Cowboys. Yeah. That's a lot. That's scary. Wow. So, moving on from football for just a brief moment. Don't worry, we'll get we'll get back to you uh, for football. And obviously next week is going to be going to be fun with oh, uh, yeah. week one. Oh yeah. The Yankees are pretty good at baseball. They're eighty nine and forty nine. Hot take. They're ten and a half games up in the a- in the AL East. They're a game up on Houston for the best record in the AL. Yesterday, DJ LeMahieu walk off home run. I'm really running out of words to describe guys like DJ LeMahieu. I mean, he's just been so good for this Yankees team. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a good team. There's not there's not much else you can really say. They're a steady team. But the way they're constructed, and I've said this from the start of the season, I fear how they'll fare in the playoffs. But then you look at who they've been using, and maybe that alleviates some concerns. You look at their lineup, and it's not just Giancarlo Stanton. Maybe Stanton doesn't even start in the playoffs, yeah. as crazy as it sounds. Maybe you look at who they have on their, will, on their depth chart, and you look at their lineup. I mean... Gary Sanchez, a home run kind of guy. Luke Voigt, more he can hit for contact. You know, he's not yeah. just home runs. Glaber, he he does anything. Same with Geo. Same with Didi. Same with Hicks. You know, Aaron Judge kind of as well. So you've got really four or five guys that are mostly contact hitters in a sense. Right. And and you're fine with that. You're okay with that. Mike Talkman too. He's been pretty good as of late the last couple of weeks. This isn't a team like last year where it was home run or you're striking out. And I think a lot of that had to do with Giancarlo Stanton. And yes, he's making all that money, but do you even need him? Well, first of all, I think that narrative is—I don't know—it's a little bit lost on me. I mean, I've, I'm not—I'm not buying it. The Yankees strike out at uh, the point two less, point two percent less than they did last year. They're basically identical in terms of strikeout. And they struck out all last year. 
Yeah, but everyone strikes out a lot. I don't know. I don't. You I don't, don't really care buy about it. No, I don't really I mean, buy into the strikeout narrative. It's the same thing as a ground out to me. Yeah, my only thing is with Stanton. He's played nine games this year. Yeah, do you I mean, trust him in the playoffs if he plays the week leading into it? Yeah, if he's that, back for the, for the last week of the season. Can you trust him? But also, I don't think you can leave Stanton off a playoff roster. I just the potential that can he, he has. Can you put him on the bench? Can he be your fourth outfielder? Yeah, I mean maybe. I think. But he'll then what do you DH. do with Talkman? You know? Talkman will probably be a defensive replacement or a pinch runner late. He's probably not going to start in the playoffs. Right. No, my point is, if you give Stanton a spot, do you, do you, you just leave Cameron Maben probably? Yeah, Maben, Talkman. Clint Frazier. We'll see how that goes. Um, things like that. But Aaron Judge has been heating up. Seven home runs his last 11 games. He's now batting 281. He was all the way down to 268 just a week ago. He now has 19 home runs, 43 RBIs, and 80 games. So you kind of... Put that across the season. That's about 40 that's, home yeah. runs, 90 RBIs, somewhere around there. Which you'd have to expect would be better, you know? Yeah. you expect he wouldn't be in this long of a and Obviously, the oblique, I think, is still an issue that he won't address till the offseason. So it's definitely been impressive. And to me, it's interesting because before the West Coast trip, Aaron Judge has not had not pulled a home run since the AL wildcard game last year. And out West, he was pulling the ball like crazy, which I think is a good sign as much as you want guys to hit to the opposite field. You can't play Aaron Judge defensively because he hits the ball everywhere. I think that's one of his biggest values because you can't shift on him. Either A, he'll hit it over the shift and over the wall, or B, he'll just put the ball the other way. So I think that's that's why he's just so valuable to this lineup. Yeah, I mean, with Aaron Judge, you need him at his best. You really do. Because when he's at his best, he's he's a first off, he's a frightening figure to see there on, on the uh, – by the plate. Yeah. He's a big guy, a lot of muscle, very strong. He's got a nice face, though. It's a very, it's like a soft face. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, the teeth are a little messed up. Yeah. Yeah, but like he's not really smiling. He's not showing his teeth, is yeah. he? Yeah. Sometimes. Regardless, you, you look at a guy like him, and when you have him batting second and really hitting it a 300 clip like you know he can, then you're really scared because the rest of this lineup is so dangerous. You, can't, you, you have to pitch to him defensively in a sense, but then you have Gary Sanchez up at four, or you have Glaber Torres in the three or five. You have all these different pieces that you can't pitch around one guy because the guy after him can hit just as well. Right, and I think that's been one of the biggest things is that next man up. The Yankees have had 30 different IL stints this season, which is the MLB record. Gio Rochelle is now on the IL. It's kind of a precautionary thing. He said that if this was the playoffs, he'd be playing, so kind of you know just rest him up for that postseason I, it just it really blows my mind. This team is forty games over five hundred. Given the thirty IL stints, given this whole next man up thing, given that Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Hicks and Luke Voigt and Gary Sanchez have all spent time on the on the IL, it's just such a props to me to Aaron Boone. I think he's just done such a great job managing the clubhouse, managing this roster that every guy is ready to play at every moment. And I think that is just such. Such a good tool to have for Aaron Boone, just being that player's manager, being accessible, caring about these guys day in and day out. Something that Joe Girardi didn't do. And that might be something that, you know, people are kind of underrating now. Yeah, and I kind of go back to it and you say, what changed? You know, last year people were clamoring for him to get fired almost. Right. Why, why is it all of a sudden different? Is it the injuries? Is it they're giving him time? It's really kind of interesting to see. But at that same point, this is a guy that you want. You want a guy that's kind of going to embrace the analytics. He's a guy that clearly cares about his players. And I think he's a, you know, he's obviously a broadcaster before he went to, to managing. So he clearly can can speak well in a sense. You know, he knows yeah. the game well. We've seen that. And I think the fact that he can speak and kind of deal with communications is very underrated as, as a manager. I think the narrative with Aaron Boone going into the season was, 
oh, he just has guys, you know, whispering in his ear about analytics and telling him what does. move to make. But even beyond that, you still have to manage these guys. I mean, these are still human beings. They're not robots. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to put this guy in this situation and this outcome is going to happen. You know, different things can happen. And I, I just think he's done such a great job managing all of that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's been really impressive. And at the same point, a lot of guys coming back with these, some of these injuries. Yeah, you know, it's looking good. You get good. Voight back, Encarnacion's somewhat coming back, Severino, but his hands is throwing. And those are the two guys I'm really looking for to come back. They're guys that we haven't seen all season long. You didn't make any trades, and th that's why. You felt comfortable coming back because you'll have Batanzas to pitch close to every game or whatever it may be in the playoffs, and the same thing with Severino. Maybe you start him. Yeah, they said they're going to try to uh, keep Severino on a track to start, so that'll be definitely interesting to watch. You need him starting. You can't put him in the pen. I don't know. It depends. If this, this pitching staff is so bad You can't jeopardize a career for well, one postseason What was his injury? Run. He's got a, his shoulder. But why... If he's starting, like if then, he can't be stretched, I'd out. rather give him. An I guess you know if he's yeah if he opens for an inning or two, I'm fine it's with the that. same thing as coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, for sure, well, for give, sure. Yeah, but I think he'll be okay. I think they're. I don't think he, they're rushing him to begin with. No, he seemed okay. I mean, they've the time, really yeah. used kid gloves with him, and you should, because this has been an injury he's had for a while now. And they just signed him to that that, that huge extension. extension. Yeah. Not necessarily huge in terms of financial, but definitely huge in terms long, of yeah. a long term investment. Right. But you look at it, he you can't pitch J Hap. You really can't. You no. can't pitch him in the playoffs. No. And you, CC, I think we're going to get to it later. He might be done for his career. Yeah. Last season, he, he has some really bad knee pain. Domingo Herman, do they trust him in the playoffs? I trust him. Yeah, you have, I think to, I do. You have to pitch Herman. And I think you have to pitch Paxton as well to kind of have somewhat of a dynamic uh, left-hander to, to start a game. And Paxton's been a lot better as of late. He's a little bit prone to home runs. But I think you need some type of lefty presence. If there's no CC, if you don't want to pitch Hap, you need a lefty to pitch at least one game. I don't really understand that narrative. Like, you need a lefty to pitch. Like, the, does handedness matter that much? Well, I mean, it matters in terms of matchups. Yeah, if you're playing a team that has a ton of left-handed batters, you're going to want to pitch a lefty. If you have a team with a lot of right-handed batters, you're going to, have, you're going to want to pitch a righty. That's just above my head in terms of baseball. I mean, yeah, Are you, I'm not it pitching a bad lefty than a righty. It is more diff I'm just saying, why do you think they switch the bullpen so much? Because they want a lefty-lefty matchup, but they want a righty-righty matchup. Well, I think that's moronic. It's not moronic. I think it's, it's, it's unnecessary. much harder it's, to it's hit baseball. a lefty as a you know lefty. Because baseball is all like, oh, like, we're a cultured sport. You know, we're not exciting. We're not loud. We're not, like, crazy fun like that. We're more nuanced. This isn't we're nuanced, smart. though. This, this is isn't, just, this isn't this is common sense. This is chess. This is what baseball is. We're not just a sport. We're sport with the mind. No, this is and the soul. This is just common sense to me. I don't know how it's Why? above your head. If a righty is pitching to you, it is going to be harder to hit the ball because of the angle that it's coming at is different. A lefty opens up towards you. You're gonna see everything. If a righty's pitching, half of your peripheral is basically gone. As a righty? Yes. How? Oh my! I'm gonna have to like. Show is the you. body blocking? Yeah. Is the pitcher's body blocking you? Well, think about it. When your glove is coming up, you're pitching to a righty. This way, a righty is standing here, and it's going to be harder to track the ball when it's coming in like that. See, because it's coming in like this. it's coming behind you. It's coming in differently than if is you it like throw behind you? Like the hand. arms behind your back, so you have to like turn like this. Is that what? The no, thing not is? not exactly, but it's kind of along that same concept. Okay, I I've if never heard of anyone not understanding the concept. So it's kind of hard you to can explain. hit any handedness. That's all there is to it. No, that's not all there is to it. I, this no is sense. just this analytics nonsense. No, this is not analytics nonsense. This is common sense. All but right, you touched on CC. 
Kind of a sad story. He might not pitch again. He said he feels a 10 out of 10 in pain basically every day. He needs a knee replacement, which he's, he says, you know, right after he retire, I need a knee replacement. I hope he can at least, you know, come out and pitch for, for an inning, you know, kind of have that send off. Because mm-hmm. if, if he just can't pitch again, I just that's just such a sad way to end such a great career. It is, but he's going to be in the locker. He's going to be in the dugout, in the yeah, locker room, whatever course, it is. Course. And I just hope that his knee replacement gives him a livable life. I think it will. Yeah. I think maybe the pains with some cartilage or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to completely reconstruct it. Yeah. It's but pretty rough. And I yeah. love CC. No, I love CC. I've been a really big fan of his for a very long time. I think he's he's fun. He's fiery. And I just really enjoy watching him pitch. So hopefully he can pitch one more time. You know, maybe I, st- you know, going into the season, I thought he could start a playoff game. Yeah. Clearly, that's not really the case. I thought he had one more five inning yeah. gem. Maybe he doesn't have that ability to turn back the clock anymore. But hopefully, like you said, he gets like an inning, you know. Maybe they're up five runs and he can just like throw throw a ball or two. Yeah, and I think that now the the question is you talked about postseason rosters. I don't know if CC even is gonna make that postseason roster. I mean, you're yeah. not just gonna have him waste the roster spot if he can't pitch. Especially he'll still be with the team. But yeah, I just I don't know if they'll. If he they'll, should go into coaching for this team. He said he said he's been talking to Cashman. He wants a uh, front office job. Yeah. yeah, but he's also really good in media. He's got that R two C two podcast yeah. with Brian Rucco. Yeah, CC is a great guy, and yeah, like you said, I hope he has a livable life. He has uh, I think three or four young kids, um, and you know obviously he's battled just so much in terms of off the field demons, and on the field he's always been such a workhorse. So definitely hoping for a good uh, end to his career. For CC, uh, more more news to touch on. I didn't put this in the rundown because it kind of just happened um, late last night and this morning. But the Yankees called up Clint Frazier. Uh, he's in the lineup tonight or today this afternoon against the A's. Another interesting. I it's piece weird. To look I don't at. understand that. I feel like he got so much garbage throughout the last little while. Why is he getting? called up you I don't know, know what I mean like, yeah it's it just, kind of an interesting move it, it's so weird because like you expect him to get traded you expect him to get traded for a pitcher this entire season you send him down he hasn't been up in a while the whole media debacle is he the guy you want to bring up I mean he's just been so good at the plate this year that that it's kind of like it feels like the Yankees almost not need him but they kind of like his bat it's just his healing that's been then? the problem yeah that's the thing where where is he slotting in I think today he's playing left. Um, with Aaron Judge back, he doesn't have to play right, so maybe he's a little bit more comfortable in left field. But, yeah, it's kind of an interesting move. Excuse me. Oof. Wow. Did I bore you that much? It's baseball. <laughs> You're lucky I'm not sleeping on the floor. It's baseball, Susan. That's right. But it just it, it's such a weird move. Are there like How many call-ups do you get? I don't remember off the top of my head. Like for for, for September call ups. Oh, they don't have September call ups anymore. Didn't they just expand the rosters? Yeah. Uh, no, you don't expand expand them anymore. Like it used to expand to forty, but I believe they changed the rules, um, where it's not forty. This is great, uh, great radio here. But I'm pretty sure uh, expands through the 2019. Is it this the 29? Yeah. Season. So oh, I think it's the last. I thought year, they got rid of it. Yeah, I guess. I think they're getting it. they're getting rid of it. Yeah. So the they process. expand to forty man. So that's kind of why. Uh, he got called up. So it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees use him. And if he performs, does he make that postseason roster? I think his defense probably keeps him off of it because you have a guy like Mike Talkman. You have obviously Brett Gardner is going to make make the, the roster as, as a veteran that's been there before. 
if John Carlo Stanton's healthy, if Aaron uh, Hicks is healthy, you have Aaron Judge. That's already, you know, six outfielders. You still have Cameron Maven, who's a, better, a way better defender than Clint Frazier. So I, I just don't know where he fits in, like you said. Yeah, I, I think he's your DH. I don't know if he really makes any moves in the playoffs. Maybe he's, maybe he's a pinch hitter. Yeah. But if he pinch hits and he gets a hit or whatever and you force extra innings, is he, is he DHing now? Is he in the outfield? You yeah. pull him again? You can't keep him in, in the outfield in a high leverage situation. I mean, we saw what happened in that Sunday night baseball game against the Red Sox where he basically allowed four runs by himself. But again, like that's something that like you don't expect to happen all the time. But you can't just give him the chance to make another mistake in the playoffs. The, the margin of error for this team is too small, given your your starting rotation is not very good, given you need all the outs you can get, given you know home runs typically seem to to decline when it comes to playoff baseball. You can't give him the chance to make a mistake. You really can't. You cannot afford it. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, kind of starting to wrap up uh, with the Yankees. I think being up this many games in the division is is very helpful because Tampa Bay is not going to catch the Yankees. The Yankees have the, the division locked up. They're up ten and a half games with twenty seven games left. Um, it just allows you know everyone to get healthy. Talk about Gio Urshela, kind of you know if, if this was an intense playoff race, he might have to play through that injury. He might aggravate that knee injury even more uh, than before. Yeah, I. With the with the whole entire ten and a half games up, I wonder: are they playing meaningful baseball at this point? No, I mean so not really. Does that it's hurt just, the it's team? Fine tuning. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Shout out Ben Grico, <laughs> former sports editor, uh, says, you know, like you saw his team got swept, embarrassed in the playoffs. Right. So, do you want that much leeway? But also, you say, you know, the Yankees are looking for the best record in baseball. Is that enough to give this team that push to keep going? I think you definitely want that home field. You want the, you want to win the AL because as it stands right now. If you win, if the Yankees are the best record, they play the wild card winner, which is going to be either the Indians, the Rays, or the Athletics, which I think are a lot more winnable than, you know, maybe the, the Twins. I think the Twins are still up, or they are still up in the Central uh, by four and a half games now, so they'll win the Central. You finish second, you play the Twins, which is still winnable, but I think it's it's just even bigger for the ALCS getting home field. Yeah, I think that home field is what you really want, especially against the Astros, the presumed favorite to come out of the other side of that bracket. Yeah. You know, they're they're just so talented and they're scary good. You kind of want to be able to see your guys on your home on home yeah, on your home turf for game seven. But then you wonder, like, is the Yanks play very well against Minnesota? Yeah. But is it worth it to not have to not face a wildcard team who's gonna be throwing out their second best pitcher in game one? I, to me, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point that you make. But to me, I think Cleveland's the scariest of of that group. This is a team that the Yankees beat in the ALDS a couple, uh, 2017 where they came back from the 2-0 deficit. Yankees were the wild card team. They were the underdogs. I think if Cleveland kind of flips that narrative, Cleveland has much better starting pitching than the Yankees. They might not have the same offensive production, but they have guys mm-hmm. uh, like Francisco Lindor that can obviously that can produce at a high level. So I'm really me, scared the of the Indians Athletics. Scared. I'm really scared of the Athletics. Obviously, they, for some reason, have the Yankees' number. They've beat them four out of five games so far this season. And I just, I, I, I don't know. They're, I don't think they're that good. But I think they just match with the Yankees well, I guess. I haven't seen too much of it. But that's just something that kind of would scare me. Their pitching is good. Their lineup is just a lot of holes outside of, you know, Matt Chapman, Matt Olsen, Marcus Semyon. They do have some good pieces, but towards the bottom, it kind of gets a little bit Mets-esque. Um, but you remember you the lineup? Mets-esque? Yeah. That was so mean. Their lineup. The that bottom of their lineup is Mets-esque. You know, they're kind of like these no-name guys that, you know, are going to get out. 
You're such a jerk. But I mean, last year, last year the Yankees beat them in the wild card game. So it's kind of like, what do you really believe? Postseason results or regular season results? You know, this year or last year. It's it's, right. it's kind of a whole And you know, these games mean more to the A's. Like they're they're gonna play harder than the Yankees as much as you kind of don't want to believe that that's true. I think it I think it is kind of true. That definitely holds some kind of water. Agreed. All right. Coming up next. <laughs> that was sick. As Luke no, just kind of. You, you just stopped talking. What am I supposed to say? I've, had, I have, I've said a lot, okay? You, you my said, voice is hurting. I left my tea at home. You've said some things. I sure. couldn't drink it this morning. I'm a little tired and a little groggy. 